Welcome to the Sober and Happy Podcast. My name is Tim and I will be your host. The goal of this podcast is to take you through my journey of getting sober, how I've overcome the difficult challenges that I've faced along the way, and how I've gone from a life of simply just being sober to a life where I am both sober and happy. In this episode, I want to start the discussion on the importance of forgiveness and specifically tackling the difficult challenges of facing our past, acknowledging what we have done wrong, and the steps we could do to start repairing the relationships that we have damaged. Forgiveness is such a big topic that I'm breaking it out into multiple episodes. I believe forgiveness can be broken into three categories, getting forgiveness, giving forgiveness, and forgiving others. I think this order is important. I hear a lot of people say, I have to learn to forgive myself first before I could forgive others, but I don't think that is possible. I don't think forgiving ourselves is an act. I think we learn to forgive ourselves by doing this process and becoming a different person. And in my experience, I found my ability to forgive only after being given the beautiful gift of forgiveness from others. I want to tell you a story about one of the greatest lessons of forgiveness that was given to me, which was from a friend of mine named Dan. Dan and I were longtime friends and were roommates a few times during my 20s. As someone I was close to, he got a front row seat watching the transition of my drinking from the fun stage to the pretty much nothing but consequences stage. Unfortunately, he suffered some of those consequences of the path of destruction I was on. The worst of it was when I had burned my life down to the ground in Arizona and was going back home where my mom was going to take me back in. Dan was my roommate at the time, and we just recently signed a lease on an apartment. I had lost my job and spent my half of the rent money on drinking, and instead of facing the music, I also spent his half and then split town without even leaving a note. The only note he got was the eviction notice on the door the day after I left. He ended up having to pay to change the lease and move into a one-bedroom apartment, and as a result, needed to borrow money from his mom to cover that, the back rent, and the late fees. When I got sober, I drove to Arizona to make several amends, and I knew Dan was going to be at the top of the list. Because of his declining health from an autoimmune disease he was born with, he was now living with his mom, who he borrowed the money from, so I had an opportunity to make that right also. His mom treated me like another son, so it killed me what I did to them. It is a long drive from Northern California to Yuma, Arizona, so I had a lot of time to think about how it would go. I knew how upset I would be if the roles were reversed, especially having a little over 10 years to stew on how I betrayed him as a friend when he had my back any time I needed it. I pulled into the driveway and walked up to the door, fully embracing the idea that the afternoon would be spent allowing him to tell me exactly how he felt. I was prepared to take all the anger he had to dish out because I felt I deserved every ounce of it. I planned to drive to Phoenix that evening because I knew I would not be welcome in that house after how I had betrayed them. I knocked on the door. A lump the size of a grapefruit formed in my throat. I began to feel nauseous as the door opened, and instead of anger, I was greeted with a hug from my longtime friend. He said to me, I'm so happy that you're alive. All these years we assumed you drank yourself to death. 
We're so proud of you. Oh, man, you look so amazing. Please come in. We're so excited to have you here. I was absolutely stunned. We spent hours talking about the good times we had and laughing about the stupid things I had done, like the time he found me passed out naked under his truck in our apartment complex as he pulled out to go to work. They wanted to hear all about how I had been doing during my first year sober. They couldn't stop telling me how proud they were of me. They didn't even mention once what I had done. I was still in such a state of anger at how I felt the world had done me wrong in life that I couldn't understand how they didn't seem mad at me. After his mom and stepdad went to sleep, I asked Dan about it. He explained that although he had a lot of anger for a while after it first happened, he forgave me a long time ago and that our friendship is far more valuable than any grudge he could hold for what I had done. He was truly proud of me and couldn't be happier that I was doing good. I asked him about the money and he said I'd have to take that up with his mom the next morning because it was her that I owed it to. The next morning, I spoke with his mom. She told me she never was angry with me, just was worried. I explained that I was just getting back on my feet and owed several people money, so I cannot pay her everything at that moment, but would like to set up a payment plan for whatever I owed her. She looked at me and said, Sweetie, you just keep your money. I don't need it and I don't want it, and I'd prefer you use it to pay off other people quicker so you could be free from that weight you're carrying around. We're just so happy to see you sober. A couple of days later, after many more hugs and being told I was welcome to come back anytime, I got in my car and drove to Phoenix to continue my men's tour. During that whole drive, I couldn't help but think about how they just gave me forgiveness with such little effort, were happy to see me doing good, embraced the fact that I had changed, and how they valued our relationship more than any old grudge. I began thinking about all the grudges I was holding on to and realized I was not giving the wonderful gift to other people in my life that I had just received from them. It opened my heart to forgiveness, not only to others, but to also begin the process of forgiving myself. As you see from my story, it was only through facing the things I had done and asking for forgiveness that I learned how to forgive others and eventually myself. That is why I think we have to do this first, so please do not put this off. I know this is a step that most people skip out of fear, and I think this is one of the biggest causes of relapse. It is hard to admit we are wrong and face the people that we have done harm to, but it is even more difficult to live with the guilt and shame of what we have done in the past. A lot of people try to avoid this, but to have the results very few have, you must be willing to do the things very few do. I want you to live a life where you're free of the guilt and shame of your past. I want you to be free to live an amazing life. So I beg you to face this difficult task, which will give you the freedom that you desire. The first step is to make a list of people that you feel you have wronged. I think this is important to list everybody first before getting started, especially if you owe money and do not have the ability to pay everybody back now. It allows you to create a budget and go into the conversations with what you can pay back now and not overpromise in the heat of the moment. The process of listing out the people we hurt can be very difficult because we are now facing many of the things that we use drugs and alcohol to stuff down. One of the reasons my drinking progressed over the years to the point that it did is because I was trying to drink away the shame that came from hurting the people that I loved. So we need to be prepared for those emotions to resurface. 
That is not a reason to procrastinate doing this until you're in a better place. Because the only way to get to that better place is by facing these difficult moments and conquering our fears. I found the biggest help for not being overwhelmed with guilt when going through the process of listing the people I hurt was knowing that I was making the list with the intent of making it right. If we're just listing everything we did wrong, it is no different from the narrative in our head when we're beating ourselves up. Before starting the list, commit that you're going to do everything in your power to make things right. And when that voice in your head creeps up and starts telling you negative things about yourself, circle back to the fact that you're in the process of righting the wrongs and becoming the person that is better than your past. It's your choice to allow parts of your past to become who you are. Once you allow them just to be events and not your identity, that is when they no longer have power over you. This is the first step of doing that. Once we have the list, we now have a plan and it's time to execute on that. The first thing we need to do is to ask to talk to the person. If possible, do it in person. If that is absolutely not possible, get on the phone. An email, letter, or text message might be easiest, but is not as sincere. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of not doing this halfway out of fear. We need to show the people in our lives that we value them and this process enough to make a full effort. Once they agree to meet with us, we need to prepare to meet with the person. I have learned the hard way that winging it could be very difficult, and I often left the conversation only later to realize I forgot half the things that I wanted to talk about. If you must, make notes of what you want to talk about. I wouldn't write out and read a letter because that feels less genuine, but checking your notes is fine. I would just acknowledge to them at that point that I am very nervous and I didn't want to forget anything, so I made a list before coming over. Then we meet with them. I found that because this part is so difficult, it is best to keep it simple. Here are a few steps that I followed when meeting with someone. First, acknowledge the wrongs you've done in the past. It doesn't have to be a long story because in most instances, they know what happened. For example, with my friend Dan, I said, I shouldn't have split on you like I did. I stole from you, and I know it put you in a bad spot. You're one of the best friends I've ever had, and I betrayed that friendship. I am deeply sorry for that, and I hope I could make it up to you. At that point, I like to pause and allow them time to speak if they want. Allow them to be angry. However, don't allow yourself to be abused. I had one meeting where I was apologizing to a former coworker. He went on and on about what he thought about me. I allowed him to air his grievance, but once it got to the point where he was just repeating it over and over to basically beat me up, I paused him and simply said, I would feel much of the same way if I was in your shoes, and I completely understand how you feel about me. I'm working on changing who I am, and I'm sorry for what I did for you. I'd prefer to focus on if there's anything I could do to right the wrongs I did. That diffused the situation, and we're able to move on in the process. Here are a few other quick tips I found helpful in this journey. Don't mess up an apology with an excuse or a justification. That includes blaming our past actions on alcohol or drugs. It is important to completely own up to our past behavior. Don't minimize what you have done and how it affected them. 
Something that we may not think wasn't that big of a deal may have had a great effect on them. If you owe them something, work it out. Don't commit to things you can't follow through on. It is better for it to take more time than to overpromise and underdeliver. Whatever you agree on, make sure you follow through. Most of the people in my past life have heard all the empty promises before. They don't need to be told it's going to be different this time. They need to be shown. On that note, don't promise to change. This is about actions and not words. Promises are based on intentions, and rather than promising to show up as a different person, just show up instead. I learned not to specifically ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is a process, and I don't want to put someone on the spot. I instead allow them to choose whether to forgive me at whatever time frame they need. It is critical that we stop repeating behaviors that we are asking forgiveness for, and not just to the person you are specifically meeting with. It is harder to forgive yourself for betraying someone in the past if you are still betraying other people in the present. I found that when I remember something I did in the past and start to feel guilty about it, the quickest way to not spiral into that state of full-blown shame is to be able to remind myself that I did everything in my power to make it right and I'm no longer that person. If that statement is true, it is incredibly effective. If it is not, it does not work. Most importantly, be gentle with yourself during the process. Not all amends go well, and that is okay. Not everyone will agree to meet with us, and that is also okay. The fact that we're willing is proof that we are changing. People are allowed to not forgive us and hold grudges. It is not a reflection of who you are. Just being willing is the first step towards change, and this process is about changing into the person you know you can be, and everything else is out of your control. Forgiveness is a long process, but it is necessary if we want to live a life where we are sober and happy. Please do not put this off, not just for your own well-being and growth, but because you don't know if the opportunity is always going to be available to you. Many years after that weekend I spent with my friend Dan, I moved back to Phoenix and visited him in Yuma many times. Our friendship grew stronger and deeper than it had ever been before. During this time, Dan was getting sicker, and his body was deteriorating from the autoimmune disease he was suffering from, and unfortunately, he lost his battle with it a few years ago. A couple of months before he died, I sent Dan a text just letting him know how much I loved him, valued his friendship, and how his beautiful gift of forgiveness to me was one of the most pivotal moments in my recovery. I want to read you the text that he sent back to me. He said, I want you to know that I don't think it is possible for me to be more proud of someone than I am with what you've managed to do with your life. Seriously. The day I found out that Dan died, I went back and looked at that text and reflected on how much that meant to me. How grateful I was that we could not only repair our friendship, but grew it even deeper and how much that moment of facing my fear and knocking on his door that day 10 years ago changed my life. My friendship with Dan came with many gifts, as he truly was a gift to this world. But one of the biggest ones that he taught me was forgiveness through his beautiful example. 
During that period of reflection, this thought came to me. Maybe that's what life is all about. Inspiring each other, not with great feats of accomplishment, but with acts of kindness and compassion towards each other. None of that would have been possible if I gave in to my fears about facing my past. Do not put this off. I know you could do this. If you need more inspiration, I've posted the story about that experience on my blog at SoberAndHappy.com, along with some photos, including a screenshot of that text. Next week, I will continue the topic of forgiveness, since it's so critical to our healing. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone else that you think it may help. I'm doing this because I know a lot of people are struggling in their recovery, and I want to help as many people as I can, and that is only possible with your help. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please also like and subscribe so that more people could join us on this amazing journey. New episodes come out each Friday, so I look forward to connecting with you next week. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and keep living sober and happy.